Hello and welcome to the Clown Blue podcast and the Inside Bodymore show as we look ahead to Villa's trip to Nottingham Forest this weekend. Now I've not long had a shower as we record this and I've got rosy cheeks and I'm bloody boiling. Although you'll be pleased to hear everybody, I've recovered from my illness at long last. I'm feeling good. John, how are you? You okay? Yeah, I'm doing well, thanks Dan. Fresh from the press conference, got home about 10 minutes ago. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm much cooler than you are. I'm doing well, thank you Dan. Yeah, we should say that we're filming this on Friday evening, uh, obviously just after the press conference for you, because it's taken so long for you to get back with uh, various trains and whatnot. But this is going out on Saturday morning, which allows us, in fact, to talk about some embargoed quotes, because obviously they go out on a Friday evening at 10.30. But as this is going out after Friday at 10.30, we can talk about the mysterious embargo. So that'll be interesting, won't it, for everybody? Let's dive straight into the presser then. Yesterday, as people are listening to this, was Una Emery's birthday. Was there anything special at Bodymore to, to commemorate? right at such an occasion no there wasn't i know managers of other clubs of you know sometimes there's cakes and i don't know maybe there's bunting who knows um but emery like i don't think emery wanted it to be his birthday today <laughs> that's the kind of vibe he, uh, he gave across we'll get into it but obviously he was asked about it and he said like oh <laughs> basically he doesn't care and the only way he's going to celebrate is if villa win three points and i get mm. the feeling that if Villa win three points he's going to celebrate that <laughs> not that it's done yeah uh 52 so um i don't know maybe he'll have a meal tonight with his wife who knows but uh, there's no um and nothing changed at bodymore he didn't give the players the morning off or anything like that a normal day at bodymore as far as Unai is concerned um gearing up to what is a another big game in the premier league for villa two games now in the league before the november international break and i said a few weeks ago that i fully expect villa to be in the top four by yeah. um by that period and I, obviously, that's still something that um, they can do. They're probably going to have to win both games for that to happen. But Newcastle play Arsenal this weekend, which is a big game for Villa because if Villa beat Forest, they're going to go either ahead of Newcastle even more so and kind of consolidate that fifth place or they could leapfrog Arsenal. If they lose, uh, I think if they draw against Newcastle, then Villa need to win by like three goals to go above them. So, yeah, whatever the result is in that game, it's a positive for Villa. But they yeah. still need to do their business and then Fulham next week as well. So There's such a, like a mad thought you've uh, set off in my head as you were talking then. And this is such a stupid point. But you know when you just said about like it's Emily's birthday and maybe have a meal tonight with his wife? And he's like a real human. Like he's got, he's got a wife and he, like he might go out and eat food like in my head he's just like this football robot that's like utterly consumed by the job and Aston Villa but there's a real man behind that and yes he might go and do normal things but in my head it's like he's this ultra professional football bloke and nothing else but yeah the guy's got, got a wife and has he got kids do, do we know like I just realised like, I know nothing about like Emery the person yeah I mean that part of it is um I mean, obviously, as a private life, but yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah you're right. We are. He is fully consumed with football. <laughs> I'm with you, Dan. I don't know where he's going to go tonight, but um, <laughs> you know, hope he enjoys it at least for an hour. It's, yeah, just interesting. I told you it was a stupid point. Um, but you like you said, the overall point from Emery today was not rather not bothered. It's my birthday. I'm here to work hard. This time last year, I was preparing for Manchester United. This year, I'm preparing for Nottingham Forest, and it's all focused yeah. on the game, as you would like from your football manager not to be concerned about bunting and, and cupcakes yeah exactly that he said that um as you mentioned there dan last year he remembers he said it was on the thursday of the week that he was preparing for the united game i actually don't remember this time last year it being united's birthday and that sounds stupid but you must have had one of his first training sessions a few days ago last year and then it would have been his birthday i don't remember that being a thing so yeah happy birthday to unai but 
when he was asked about it, like, you know, the players bought you like villa related gifts, that sort of thing. Like what's what's happened today? He he was like, Oh, you know, I don't care. <laughs> he doesn't care. So neither should we in the first five years of this podcast. <laughs> yeah, nothing, we more, really. it is, yeah, it's just funny, isn't it? Uh, I mentioned at the very top that there's embargoed quotes that people will have seen anyway on Friday evening, ten thirty, um, from the press conference about John Duran. Do you want to explain a little bit? what's happened or what's happening with John Duran? Obviously, we don't know every detail because it's not our, you know, it's not our gift to know everything. Emery was asked about him in the written section of the press conference, which is, I think people know, is embargoed till 10.30 on, on the night and then some things are even embargoed on to like the Sunday morning. So mm. there's some stuff about Amy Martinez that will be on the Birmingham Live website at 10.30 on Saturday and on Friday night, so last night, um, some quotes about John Duran and, Firstly, they, he might not be in the squad for Sunday or he might be, Emery doesn't know yet because he's had, a, he said he's been a bit inconsistent with injuries and, and other things um, in the last few weeks. So that's, you know, I mean, he travelled to the squad to play against uh, AZ, but then missed games against, um, you know, in, in the Premier League, you know, quite recently as well. So, mm. But Emery basically said that it's a big challenge for him. Uh, to kind of bring Duran on as a player at the moment, and he is 19. I think that's that must be stressed. But Emery, he said previously as well that he needs to focus on football and focus on things that relate to Aston Villa. Uh, and again, we don't know everything that's been going on in the background or whatever. There might be nothing, but these quotes were suggested. There's something that Duran needs to focus on more so, and that's obviously football. Um, he mentioned that Duran has the ability to be one of the better strikers in the world, basically. Um, if he develops in the right way. But he also said, as I mentioned, that at the moment, Emery is seeing that as a big challenge for him as a head coach. It's obviously interesting. You know, I think Duran is, is a very good player for his age. And we've seen that at the start of this season uh, more than we did in the last, although I think he showed something then as well. Um, but I'd probably just encourage the watchers or the listeners of the podcast to go back to the Birmingham Live website and have a look at the quotes, really, because I can't explain it too well. I just started writing the piece up anyway. So, yeah, go to the Birmingham Live website and have a look at them. And that's basically the latest on John Duran. Uh, and Emery spoke, you know, he answered like three or four questions on it. So it wasn't something where he, um, you know, wasn't willing or prepared to speak on very open about the situation so uh yeah that's the update <laughs> as, yeah, as, and as this podcast is going out in the future for us you'll have already written that piece and i will link it down below for if you want to go and read that you can yeah. do so let's move on to the injury update then we spoke a couple of weeks ago about alex moreno and how it was a bit of a concern that it was like where is he where he should be back by now uh, there's an update yeah. on him and one on jacob ramsey as well a bit more definitive i suppose rather than guesswork uh you can take both of those in one go and tell me all about that please yeah, so the update for injuries, uh, Alex Moreno, as you say, trained at the start of the week. He's not in full training yet. So, uh, again, exactly what that means, we don't know. But obviously, when he first came back, he was put back into training and then he, I suppose, aggravated the hamstring injury that he sustained back in May against Liverpool. So I think Villa are being very cautious with his uh, return. His, as I say, he's back in group training, but he's not fully integrated into it. So there's a chance he could be in the squad against Forest. However... I mean, I, I, I wouldn't bother, you know. I mean, Luke Dean's playing great as he is. Uh, he's not suspended yet. Obviously, he's one yellow away from being suspended. Um, I just don't think it's worth putting him in the team. Let's just yeah, don't know, carry it. on. In tra- yeah, and there's every chance that he will be in the squad, but he's not going to come on unless there's an injury. Um, maybe that's why he will be in the squad, because... Uh, All you know, winning very comfortably. Potentially, yeah, but... I, you know, those hamstring injuries are just so difficult um, to deal with. And obviously, Moreno's already had a setback because of it. So, 
yeah, but the good news is that he's he's um he's getting or, or he is back. He's just not fully fit yet. So again, after the international break, that's when we will hopefully you know finally have a fully fit Alex Moreno ready to um, really start his season. That's the same case for Jacob Ramsey. Uh, Ramsey isn't back in training, so it's not the same case. But the case that after the international break, he should then be fully fit. He's uh, not going to feature for Villa before Fulham. So again, after the break, he should be back and ready to go. It's they had a very similar timeline, Ramsey and Moreno, in terms of their their kind of setbacks and how long it's going to take them to come back. And I think Moreno was about a week before Ramsey's setback. So you'd expect Ramsey to maybe start training in a week or two, that sort of yeah. thing. So yeah, hopefully come the first game back against Tottenham away, Villa have a fully fit team apart from obviously Torren Mings and Emi Wendy. Yeah, and that'd be yeah. some boost, wouldn't it, going to Spurs away with Moreno and Jacob Ramsey both fit oh, and ready yeah. to, to possibly start as well. Yeah, that'd be a, a real boost. Let's go away from match day then, the section of the show where we talk about something that isn't about the game upcoming. Now, this is something that we probably should have mentioned in the last episode that we did, but didn't for whatever reason. Uh, was it the Q&A we did? I can't remember. Uh, the the sad passing of Charlie Aitken, which happened on, or we knew about it on Sunday, I think. So we had the post-match show that went out, but we didn't know at that point that he passed away. And like I said, we probably should have mentioned it on the, the following episode, but didn't. You wrote a, a lovely tribute, John, uh, this week to him with uh, some real great insight from author Colin Abbott. Obviously before our time and before a lot of the time of, of people that will be watching this as well. Um, so difficult for us to say, but record appearance makeup will probably never be broken. And can you just share a little bit about that piece that you wrote? And again, it will be down below if people want to read it in full. Yeah, 660 appearances for Villa. That's something that I don't think will ever be beaten again. Uh, you know, like to put it into context, I think John McGinn is... Uh, well, John McGinn will make his 200th appearance um, against Forrest. And he's been here for five years. So that mm. shows the longevity of yeah. um, Charlie Aitken. You know, he missed probably like maximum like eight games in one season, I think it was. I encourage people to, <laughs> to read the piece because I can't say everything that's in there. I think it was about two and a half thousand words in the end. Um, good. Really good insight from Colin Abbott. Calling someone a legend is something that um, a lot of people do, especially in the modern era. But Charlie Aitken was exactly that and will always be that for Villa. It's, we had to write that tribute piece and I had a few days off and I thought, well, I'm not going to be doing anything else. So let's just get involved and get stuck into um, kind of remembering, um, as Bruce Riott called him, a great man. So in terms of the tally of most Villa appearances, obviously you've got uh, Charlie Aitken on 660. Then you've got Billy Walker on 531 and then Gordon Cowan's on 527. So that again shows you there's a huge difference between those numbers. Um, so it won't be done again. And he was an excellent player, of course, uh, a fullback, left back, didn't have much of a right foot, but a very good left one, very powerful, quick, energetic. And there's a few good tales in there as well that um, Colin shared about him beating like uh, Olympic athletes and stuff in races. Yeah. And a really nice person as well. I wanted to kind of capture you know, his life in a way, not, you know, you can't do that in two and a half, 2,500 words, sorry. Uh, but I went to um, around where he sort of lived his life after Villa, uh, around Alton, Acock Screen, that sort of area. Um, spoke to a few people there. He had a shop, an antique shop on uh, in Acock Screen, I believe. And, you know, just speaking to people there about who he was, the character that he was. And um, yeah, really, really nice person. Someone that, yeah, we'll be sorely missed by the people who knew him as well, not just football fans and Villa fans, but the people yeah. who say like, he used to help, you know, a lot of people in the area. Um, he'd always help on this one particular lady called Dorothy, who was, an, who was an elderly lady and he'd be doing DIY for her and stuff, even when he was not young and fit like he was. A, a big loss for Aston Villa Football Club and for uh, a lot of communities as well that he sort of embedded himself into. 
he came down from um, Edinburgh with another fullback who was basically supposed to be the kind of the more um, uh, the more developed, the uh, you know, with the high potential, that sort of thing. I think his name was William Briggs, I believe. And it kind of quickly became apparent to the coaches at Villa at the time and Joe Mercer that um, actually this Charlie Aitken lad is pretty good. And his parents didn't actually want him to play football because back then you obviously don't get paid like yeah. at all. Um you know, close enough to uh, even like a shopkeeper's wage. <laughs> like my granddad who played for Villa, he quit because he was better off owning a shop and running a family business. And that was the reality of it. Please do read. And hopefully it's kind of a fitting tribute. And it, I think Colin Abbott's done a big book on, yeah. um, oh, is it auto, it's autobiography? Sorry. So again, that's linked in the piece. And I, I linked it mainly because, well, firstly, Colin did a nice job with us, but also that is the, that's the memory now of Charlie Aitken, you know, yeah. However many words that is, I don't know, maybe hundreds of thousands, who knows. Um, but yeah, that's something that is available to buy as well. To the predicted 11. Now, I'm pretty sure, and I say this most weeks, it picks itself, doesn't it, the side at the moment? It's pretty much as yeah. you were. Yeah, I think so. My predicted 11 is with Zaniola in it, so the same team that beat Luton. Mm. However, maybe I would probably put Bailey in there instead, or even Diego Carlos. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it from my perspective, but I've thought about it from Ewan eyes. Mm. And I think he'll start Zaniolo again. I can't remember what, uh, the stat is, but I think he's started five of the last six, or maybe it's six of the last seven in the Premier League. Um, so for a player who's only on loan and uh, you know hasn't scored yet, I don't think he's assisted yet. He might have assisted actually for uh, Diaby's goal. Can't quite remember. Anyway, um, but I think there's certainly something in there. And yes, he hasn't had the output that Emery might have, you know, would have liked so far. He's certainly got a purpose in that team, and that's why he's starting so many games. Hmm. I possibly tempted to go Bailey, although. We're not at home, are we? So maybe not. My the point I'm about to say is kind of counter. Um, is kind of countered by the AZ away performance. But I do think Bailey is better off the bench in some aspects. Mm. I think he probably give more off the bench than Zaniolo. Uh, so we'll see. Hopefully, we won't need anyone off the bench, and we can kind of just do the job early on. But I don't think that'll be the case. I think Forest are pretty strong at home. They've they haven't lost in seven. However, yeah. they've only won two games this season. They just about got over the line against Sheffield United and failed to beat Brentford, Burnley, and. Luton. Luton at home. Yeah, in the last three. So I think Villa should be going there and aiming to win. Whilst we're talking about Forest a little bit, let's go ahead with the opposition preview. I caught up with Matt Davis earlier this week from the Garibaldi Red podcast to get his thoughts on what kind of game we can expect from Nottingham Forest this weekend. Right, it's opposition preview time. Matt, thank you very much for joining me. This is one of the easier previews to organise because you work for the same company as I do. You run the Garibaldi Red podcast, one of our sister titles. You're kind of the, the Nottingham version of me, aren't you? If, if you will. Uh, how are you? <laughs> what a compliment. Uh, yeah, I'm all right, thanks. How are you? Yeah, great. Uh, starting to feel a little bit better, thankfully, at last. I'm here to ask you five questions as part of our opposition preview. Me and John have been chatting about the Forest game, of course, as Villa's next match. Um, so we'll get straight into it. Just talk to me a little bit about Forest season so far, what, what you've seen from them and what the ambitions of the club will be this year. Well, when the fixtures came out, the first away games were um, Arsenal, City, United, Liverpool uh, and Chelsea. So we weren't expecting much. Now they got a win at Chelsea, which was great, and they performed well um, everywhere really without getting results. They, they pushed big teams to the limit. Probably the flip side is the home form's been a little disappointing. They've they've only lost. Um, in fact, they even lost a home game. I mean, they drew. They beat Sheffield United. Didn't play well. They drew with Brentford and they drew with Luton. And the Luton games cast a real shadow over things because they were two 0 up. And you'll have seen yeah. at the weekend that Luton are very average at best. 
So Forest were really in control that game, yeah. And they shot themselves in the foot. The manager was at fault with some poor substitutions, which he held his hand up to. And then they lost to Liverpool. And now it's six games without a win. We've slipped to 16th. And uh, uh, some fans are kind of very worried about it. And there's a few question marks against Cooper, probably for the first time from a few fans, which I don't see yet. But if they do continue with this run, then there will be, you know, he will be under pressure. I think they're still aiming for about 12th and they're only three points off 11th. It's a very condensed league still. And I think they'll get there, but like the league's two leagues within itself, really, um, or even three and Villa are kind of in that bracket for me where they're trying to get into the top four, the top six, and they look best place to do it with, with Spurs uh, and maybe Brighton, but Forest are below that level. They don't have that class of play yet. We were saying on our podcast, you know, you guys, spent a lot of money on Diaby and Bailey and our wingers are Hudson, Adoy and Alanga and they cost 20 million, which is a lot of money, but you know, relative peanuts. So I think we're a level below Villa and the challenge on Sunday is can we match them with our injury problems and your form overall, I'd say. I think in both clubs though, we've, we've both got managers that just seem to get it. They just seem to understand the football club that they're at and that doesn't always often happen. You mentioned that fans, some fans who may be getting a bit tetchy with, with Cooper or could do, uh, but overall, what kind of job do you do you assess that he's done for you? Oh, fantastic. I mean, when when he took over, Forrest were literally bottom of the championship. He got them yeah, going. Yeah, straight away, it was grim. We looked, you know, the worst I had over 100 years for the football club and relegation looked more of a possibility than promotion. Then they went on this incredible run. He fosters a great team spirit, got them promoted at Wembley. And then suddenly kind of we realised that the whole team was loan players and out of contract players. And they did go, I mean, everyone knows they went like pretty mad in the transfer market. A lot of it was needed, but some of it was probably, you know, a bit too far. And for him to meld 22 signings in one window and then make it 30 in total in the next one with the second worst injury record in the league, to stay up with all the promoted teams staying up as well. I mean, that was a massive achievement when you consider Leeds and Leicester went down as very big clubs and Southampton as well. So, yeah, last season was great. And this season, like I said, hasn't quite clicked, but it's not a million miles away. I still think he's a great manager. I think one of the problems, just bringing it up, Phil, that fans often say of Forrest is, look at what happened at Bryce when they bought Deserbi and look at what happened at Villa when they bought Emery in for Gerrard. And now fans kind of see that as why can't Forrest get an Emery? But the problem is there aren't many Emerys out there, are there? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the time you you change manager and it doesn't work. Look at Bournemouth. If Marinakis, our owner, can find another Unai Emery, then I think fans would say fantastic. But he's a special manager. And in his own way, Cooper's a special manager. He's only been managing club football for five years. And mm-hmm. he's got yeah. two playoff finishes, a promotion, and kept a team in the football in the Premier League. I don't think you can ask for much more than that from a young manager personally away from from the manager then and back onto the pitch where can Villa get at Forest where are you vulnerable well we're not going to score many goals so we're going to have to be very good at the back but I look at Luca Dean has got forwards and put a lot of crosses in the box playing on the left and Serge Aurier hasn't quite been as be- as good as he was last season and, and on the opposite side, I think, I mean, you can correct me if I'm wrong with this, but this is how I see Villa as Massey Cash gets very far forwards, late arrival in the box. Um, and then our centre-halves going to be really have to be right at it, with, with obviously with Ollie Watkins, but Diaby seems to take up clever positions. Like yeah. He's always like a late arrival in the box. If the ball comes to him, he seems to be a good finisher. I think he's a really top player. 
So um, they're probably the ones. And then obviously John McGinn, who Forrest tried to sign before he went to Villa. Um, and we were about a year before we didn't get him, which is a big shame. Uh, he's a very clever footballer as well. So mm. they've got those attackers and then the, the, the base that Kamara and Louise, especially Kamara, seem to provide just makes you such a good side. But I, don't, I always thought Luca Dean was, he's a bit, he was a bit of a troll because he always seems to get injured. But this season, I've been surprised by how good he is getting forwards and being yeah, a supply so line. So, yeah, I think actually, weirdly, him supplying crosses for Watkins and Diaby is probably a way that, um, yeah, I think they can get out of Forest down that your left, our right, perhaps. Moreno was signed in January by Emery, his first signing, and transformed the way we played down that left-hand side. And it looked like the end for Luca Dean and was possibly off in the summer. Moreno gets injured and, and Dean almost gets a second chance at it and hasn't really looked back. And whilst Moreno is still out, sadly, uh, I think Moreno is is the better footballer. Dean has, has quietly impressed all season, really, and I think has, has, has gone past a lot of fans' expectations that he's actually... A decent footballer, which sounds bizarre for the wages he's on, and that he's a French international that we were kind of writing him off. But uh, yeah, that's what Villa fans are like sometimes. The flip side of that last question, then, what should Villa be wary of from Forest going forward? Yeah, I mean, if Forest had everyone fit, I'd be confident they really they could score goals against Villa because you play this high line and it is a little bit risky. I think our problem is that Chris Woods out injured, uh, Divokarigi's out injured, and Tyro Wanyi came back ahead of schedule last week and he at best I think he might only play an hour against Villa but he can hurt anyone I mean he scored yeah, good yeah. yeah certainly three goals two assists in eight games already very powerful very quick very athletic so he can hurt you in an hour uh, Anthony Langer's done really well he's got a few assists got the winner at Chelsea he's he's rapid and I, I mentioned that high line if Villa mm. I'm sure Villa will play it because it works for them but I think he can get behind um, um, Dean, who's going to push on, obviously. Uh, and Morgan Gibbs-White's had a great season last season. He hasn't quite been at it like this time. But the relationships he had with Brennan Johnson's gone. Callum Hudson-Odoi got injured. So he's just trying to feel his way into getting back to form, I think. But those three, I think they, they can hurt Villa, definitely. I think because Villa are so, you know, stamp their authority on the game, but I think they'll give anyone a chance. Obviously, we're not Newcastle and we're not Liverpool, but we saw in those away games that if you're good enough, you can score goals against Villa. The question is, are, are Forest good enough to do it against them on Sunday? The last part for this section is your score prediction. I will give mine later when I'm back speaking with John, which just basically gives me more time to think about it. So how do you see the game going? I still think it'll be a tight game. If you look at Forest's home record, I know I said they haven't, won many games but they've only lost two games uh in i think like something like the, the calendar year basically i think only liverpool and man city have had fewer defeats than forest so i would still back them at home against anyone really apart from those two teams so if forest are level or ahead going into the last 10 minutes i think they can get something the question is with our kind of lack of forwards if a one year isn't fit to start I think Villa could could blow us away potentially um, because we just don't have an out ball. But if for one year is fit to start, I think it'll be a really interesting close game. And I would go for uh, a one-one if Forest defend Ollie Watkins and Musa Diaby well on the day. Matt, thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. Thoroughly appreciated, and I'll hand back to me and John to uh, get on with the rest of the show. Whether it's the legendary lionesses, grassroots, or expert analysis of the women's leagues. Women's Football News has it all covered. 
a brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss Women's Football News. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's Football is here to stay and so are we. Predictions time then, John. Last time out, uh, I had a 3-0 against Luton and you had a 4-0. We, of course, won 3-1 in the end. That pesky own goal cost me another three points back-to-back after I got the West Ham one spot on. This week, it's Nottingham Forest. We've just heard from Matt Davis, who, as the Forest fan, is going with the biased prediction of a one-all draw, <laughs> uh, which provokes bad memories of Stephen Gerrard and Ashley Young scoring there last season. Yeah, last season. Yes, wow. Last season, okay. Yes. What are you going to go with? I'll let you go first. I've already got mine written down, by the way, so I'm not going to copy you or change it or anything. To be honest, my head is telling me a draw, I'll be honest. Really? Because, oh, okay. Yeah, I said in the other podcast that well, I'm not being negative at all because you know, we're all on the crest of a wave, but we, you know, there's going to be a game at some point where Villa hit the bar twice and you know that sort of thing. And I just think we've been so good and so prolific and so clinical and creating so many chances. I just don't know if that's going to happen every game. Who knows? Uh, having said that, my prediction is 3-1 Villa. <laughs> <laughs> so, I'm, I'm in completely different headspaces. I don't know which way it will go. I do think Villa could get three or four goals just because they can do that to almost any team. Uh, mm. That's no disrespect to Forest at all, but that's how good Villa are. Again, Villa are like Newcastle last season. I don't want to compare ourselves to them all the time because that is the very easy comparison. But Newcastle were beating teams and beating them by like three, four, five. And I think that is Villa this season. But there was also games last season where Newcastle couldn't score and they would draw nil-nil and one all and things like that. So I think Villa are very similar to where they were last term. I'll go with a 3-1 Villa. Is that a heart says 3-1 Villa, but a head says this could quite be a draw? Precisely that. It's also kind of sitting on the fence, but I'm going to go with 3-1 because we are on a nice little podcast, aren't we? So. Yeah, and I'm going to go one further and say 5-0. I think that I think that battering that people are wishing for five now, yeah, five zero. I think that battering that people are kind of have a have a thirst for <laughs> is on the way, and people were looking at Luton going, "Well, oh, we're at home, we'll batter them. They're bottom of the league. Are they bottom yeah. of the league? Not even bottom of the league, but they're down there." <laughs> Forest are just so weird. Like that could quite easily it could quite easily be a nil nil or a one nil. I don't know. Just be a bit leery for the podcast. Yeah. Be a bit leery. My predictions. Like I'm a, I'm ahead in the predictions league against you, so I'm I'm willing to give up some ground and yeah, make it bold. interesting. But to be fair, you went bold. Go random. Like we can have a big result at some point, and it might be against a team that you don't necessarily expect. So nil five. I'm going for. I thought I was going a bit bold with a three one. I'll be honest, but um, I mean, yeah, you went bold. So bold. You went bold for West Ham, didn't you? Um, the four one. And that came yeah. off. So, yeah, again, hopefully this finds its place on Twitter and here we are in a clip somewhere. Hopefully, if this is on Twitter, it's because I've got it drastically wrong rather than I have got it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Surely no way we're going to win 5 0, but why not? Yeah. Indeed. Um, John, we'll call it a day there for this episode of Inside Bodymore. It's been a pleasure as always. Uh, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We'll be doing a post match podcast pretty much on the full time whistle. It'll probably be me and Kendrick, but I've not double checked that. Um, stay tuned across our social media and uh, the YouTube channel, and you'll see that first anyway. John, thank you for joining me. Thanks, everyone, for watching, and we'll see you tomorrow.